Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I'm so glad that you are with us right now. We really want to encourage you to, and encourage ourselves to just stretch our faith in Jesus. On the morning my mom passed into heaven, December 14, 2020, I went over to say goodbye really early in the morning. I think it was 4.40. Yeah. And it was a Monday. And she looked like she was sleeping. She looked like a princess. Mm-hmm. And I knelt down and I whispered in her ear. This just came out. Mom, if you want to get up, you can. Mm-hmm. And there was a small ember of faith in me that believed she just might wake up. And I, I did that because I remembered something Jesus did. In Mark 5, a synagogue leader, Jairus, came to Jesus. This was in an episode of The Chosen. Amazing the way they did it. And Jairus comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, and pleads with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. But on the way, there was this interruption. It was a beautiful interruption. A woman who'd been mm-hmm. chronically bleeding for years pushed through the crowd, touched Jesus' robe, and she was healed. It was amazing and beautiful, but it probably delayed Jesus for, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe? Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. I'm just guessing. Right. And in that time, Jairus' daughter died. And some people came from his house and they said, why bother the teacher anymore? She's gone. And Jesus overheard them and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. And... So when Jesus got to Jairus' home, there was this big commotion, people crying and wailing and, you know, professional mourners. And Jesus said to them, why all this commotion? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. Mm -hmm. They laughed at the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the author of life. They didn't know that. They didn't know that's who he really was. So he got them out of the house, went into where the little girl was, He took her by the hand and said, little girl, get up. And immediately she stood up and began to walk around and they were completely astonished. Mm -hmm. And I would have been completely astonished. And he brought, what's interesting in this story is that he brought his three closest guys in there with him, Peter, James, and John and the parents And he brought Peter, James, and John in there because he was their rabbi. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to teach them something. He wanted them to see him do that because he knew that they could do that one day in his authority. And we know from the book of Acts that Peter raised a woman from the dead. It was up in Joppa, I think, along the Mediterranean Sea. He raised her up. And we know that Paul raise the dead. And we know that with Jesus, all things are possible. And he's our rabbi and we do what our rabbi does. And so that's why I said to my mom, if you want to, you can get up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really expect it to happen, but I just, that was the thing that, that I said. And I'm, I felt a little bit foolish and uncomfortable and what am I doing here? And I whispered in her ear because, you know, the hospice workers were there, but only mom heard that. Mm. 
And so I'm just thinking that we, we live in a world where there are impossible things, things that are impossible. Like it was impossible for me to wake up my mom from the dead, but not impossible for Jesus. Right. And so the reality of life is that you've got impossible things in your life. I've got impossible things in my life. And yet we have a God who, with all things, with whom all things are possible. And so I'm just, I want to, you know, kind of figure out what that looks like in my life to live in the reality of there's a lot of impossible things in my life, but to realize that with God, all things are possible and that, you know, what the rabbi has done, he calls us to do. He says, you'll do greater works. Now, do I think I'm ever going to raise anybody from the dead? Probably not. But you know what? Jesus came. He said, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. Heaven is coming to earth. And that's what we're to do. We're to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. You know, the future is going to be no death, but the kingdom is breaking in now. So am I really unbelieving, you know? Yes. I mean, I, I believe, help my unbelief, right? Because yeah. they coexist together. But I also think that, you know, the things that Jesus did as the rabbi was, <laughs> at the time, the role of a rabbi was to teach you how to become like the rabbi. Yep. And and we've translated that. Like we, we see people doing amazing things and we're like, they're awesome. And we put them on a pedestal and we don't step into the, I want to be like them or I want to be like that. And Jesus himself said, the things that you're seeing me do, you're going to do even greater things yep. than what you're seeing me do. And so I think that, you know, step one is recognizing that he is the God of the impossible, that all the things that we think are impossible are possible with him. He can make it happen. He he breaks through that barrier. He doesn't even have anything to break through. You know, it's just it's a it's it's the realm of possibility for him. Everything is the realm of possibility for him. And so that's step one. And then the more we understand that about him, that really truly everything is capable, well then it makes sense that inside of the realm of everything being capable, he can use me if he wants to to do in the impossible. Mm-hmm. Because if he couldn't, he'd be limited, and he's not. And at the very least, that we would take some risks, you know, like talking with our neighbor about Jesus. But this is not—go ahead. I was at the Hallmark store, stopped okay. to pick up a birthday card for my daughter, and um, her birthday's the end of this month, and she lives in the Czech Republic, so I need to get that out as soon as possible. But at the store, I saw somebody wincing in pain, and it was— in that moment, the the best way that I can describe it to you is that everything else seemed dim and insignificant compared to the, what was going on with this person who was in pain, okay? Just like uncomfortable, uh, tweaked her back kind of thing. And I'm trying to pay attention to the stuff that's all dim and quiet and in black and white, but this is just like in glaring color. And and I know that the the Lord is highlighting her for me. So I I really didn't even have a conversation with God about it. I just... I knew what he wanted me to do and I just went for it. So I just said, you know, I called her by name. Um, and then I said, I'm Shauna and I believe in the power of prayer. Would it be okay if I prayed for you right now for your pain to go away? And she was like, I would love that. Mm. So I went behind the counter 
And I put my hand on her back. I asked for permission, you know, I put my hand on her back and I prayed for healing in Jesus name and for her to just get relief from her pain. Mm -hmm. And the person who was checking me out, you know, at the register was not this person that I was praying for. And she was simultaneously ringing up my stuff. And we got into this big, long conversation. I ended up finding out some backstory on both of them. They're both widows. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, just shared love with them, shared encouragement and blessings, said, I'll be praying for both of you. One of them is having a surgery. So I say my goodbyes. I get in the car and all of a sudden I think, um, Susan Vanderpaul, life after breath. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I got to go back in. <laughs> so I get out of the car and I go back in and I said, I have a friend who has got a beautiful ministry to widows and I would love for you to meet her. I'd love to connect you guys somehow. She's got this incredible retreat in the fall. And so she gives me a piece of paper and a pen and I write down all the information. And she's like, I think this would be so good for both of us and we could go together. And it was just this, it was such a God thing and it felt effortless. And I think it's because I wasn't like, okay, let's do this. Let's go do the impossible. But like God was throwing the doors wide open and he was leading the way. And all I had to do was just be attentive to the fact that he was there and he wanted to use me in some way. Yeah. You took a step. Yeah. You took a risk and the rest is up to God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so everything I've just shared, you just summed it all up is that that's what it should look like to live in a world where things are impossible, but we, we serve a God who can do the impossible. If you want to hear from God, from the God of the universe, you will. I think the better we listen, the more we have the opportunity to hear. And I think I listen real well on Sunday mornings during worship because that's so frequently a time when God just downloads a truth to me that kind of messes with my world a little bit. And that happened actually this past Sunday. We were singing Forever by Carrie Job. Yeah. And it's basically a song about death and, and resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. But here's what hit me as I'm listening to the song. There is no resurrection without death. Death is absolutely necessary for resurrection. And I was like, wait, that's big. What does this have to do with my life, right? So I asked the Holy Spirit. And here's the question that came out of it. What needs to die in my life for me to experience the resurrection power of Jesus? That's it. In that area of my life, you know? And I think sometimes we hold on to things so tightly. We try to do CPR on them and we try to, we're doing chest compressions and we're trying to breathe into the lifelessness and just kind of hold on to something that actually needs to be breathless. It's just an attempt to control it, right? I'm just hanging on for dear life and it's not helpful. It's not God. So here's a question. What if we let it go? What if we just let God have it? What if we let him take it? We stop all of our you know, unnecessary and frantic efforts to keep it alive and, and realize what is going on. I need to die to trying to control things or to doing things in my own power or to, you know, like I'm involved with kingdom kind of things, but I can find myself being an owner and not a tenant. Hmm. I'm a steward. I'm not the owner. Yeah. I'm not in control. And so if I act as, as if I'm an owner in that service for the king, I'm actually trying to hold on to the power. I, it's, it's I need to let go of the power struggle. Right. Because I'm not an owner. I'm a tenant. And 
if I'm acting as an owner in the kingdom work that God has given me to do, I'm in the way of his kingdom. And I just realized the other day, if that's what I'm doing, Lord, I will step out mm. of whatever it is because yep. I don't want to get in the way. Just this mo- earlier this morning, you brought up the question of, you know, when we're at our best, like think of your best moments. And if you could just live in, in your best moments, if they lasted for eternity. And what came to mind for me as far as my best moments were the moments when I was out of the way, when mm-hmm. I was just a conduit for God to do what God wanted to do. And so maybe the thing that we're trying to keep alive, maybe all the efforts that we're making to try to make something happen is us getting in the way of what God actually wants to do. Yeah, I th- that puts it really well. It's The Lord's been showing me that if you're in the way, you need to get out of the way mm-hmm. and let me just do my thing. Yeah, so good. Because here's the thing, he's a restorative God. He makes all things new. He breathes life into the dead things. That's what he does. So what needs to die? This is what I'm asking myself today. What needs to die in my life today? What needs to die in your life today? At our best, we're not good enough. At our worst, we're not bad enough. Think of your finest moments in life. Think of your most glorious, virtuous, victorious moments. Think of those times when you felt closest and nearest to God. Think of all those times that you got it right. If you could live in those moments, and I could live in those moments for a thousand years, it wouldn't make me acceptable enough to God. Mm. Because in my most shining and beautiful moments, I am still falling short of the glory of God. Why? God is so glorious. God is so holy. God is so beautiful. God is so other. God is so flawless. I can't even imagine how much I'm falling short of that. (laughs) All have sinned and are falling short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. I love that it's a present tense because I think, you know, we want to think or we translate it anyway for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, meaning like I blew it. I blew it, so I'm unqualified. No, you're blowing it, (laughs) which you're like, wait, that's not good news. Yeah. Well, we're not loving God with every fiber of our being yet. We're not loving our neighbor as ourself with every fiber of our being Mm -hmm. yet. So there is this falling short that's going on. But then go ahead. Well, when you asked about our you know, our best moments, like if you could live there for a thousand years, what came to mind for me was the moments when I was completely surrendered and just like a conduit for what God wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was really out of the way, but I got to be a part of facilitating somebody coming into the presence of God. Those are the moments that I want to live in forever. And to recognize that even if we achieve that, we're still falling short of the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sobering, uh-huh. you know, but it's, it's something we need to realize because it's something we need to realize because we want freedom. What I'm talking about here is headed toward freedom. I think of the worst moments in my life, the ugliest moments of my life, the filthiest moments in my life, the moments when I wounded and scarred precious people and the God who loves me. If I combined all those moments and I lived them out for a thousand years, no, a thousand generations, I would still not be bad enough for God to pursue me and embrace me with his furious love. Mm. And his love is furious. He longs for us furiously. 
He's like a raging storm. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 At our best, we're not good enough. But Jesus' best was good enough, and God the Father counts Jesus' best as ours through faith in Jesus. And at our worst, we're not bad enough. Our worst is not bad enough because Jesus took our worst on himself at the cross. And through our faith in him, he has swept our worst away forever. It's such good news, but I feel challenged at the same time because I know that as a Christ follower, the call on my life and what I've given my life to is to love like Jesus. And I'm telling you, yesterday, I've got this feature that I would love to just stop on my laptop where news updates like pop up in the bottom right corner. And I don't know how to make it stop. But I was working yesterday and this pop, you guys know how to fix it? You know how to help me? Ben probably does. You're making faces like, oh, silly little girl. I can fix her. No, you guys can fix it? No, 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 no. Okay. Anyway, I don't like these things popping up. And it was about a criminal and just um, what he had done, what he has done over and over and over again made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. And I thought there was an anger that rose up in me, right? God loves him. Mm -hmm. God wants him. And I'm called to love him the way that God does. And so it challenges my heart. It's good news for me. It's good news for me because I know I can't go so far that I'm outside of the reach of God's arm. Mm -hmm. But it also challenges me because I'm called to love people that that I feel are are harder for me Mm -hmm. to love. Yeah, and I think that what we're talking about here is the way to become like Jesus, to realize that at our best, we're not good enough. And at our worst, we're not bad enough because this whole thing takes us out of our performance and puts us into Jesus performance and what Jesus has done. And when we get into what Jesus has done for us, we, we begin to be like him. Mm -hmm. We change the gospel changes us. So we're saved by grace you know, there's nothing we can do to earn God's favor, but it's a grace that changes us. Mm-hmm. Praise God for that. And makes us more like Jesus and makes us more loving like Jesus. And even that is his work. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's good news. So we're on our way. Let's not relate with God today based on our best or based on our worst. Let's relate to God through Jesus, who is our best and who has erased our worst. So, Perry, it's good to have you back. You were out yesterday. I was out Friday. My sister was in town last week. That's why I took the day off on Friday. And, oh, my goodness, we had the best time together. So she was in town for work, and she was here all week last week. But I didn't get to see her until Thursday night. So picked her up sometimes. Well, I guess Thursday afternoon. Picked her up on Thursday afternoon, and we had like 24 hours together. And that is just not enough for two sisters, let me just tell you. And we had to sleep in there, too. So we even missed some of that 24 hours together. Anyway, from the time I picked her up to the time that I dropped her off at the airport, we were together. So we went out to dinner with my husband and my son on Thursday night. We went to Beer City Bread Company, this kind of a new place we discovered on 28th and M37. Really, really good food. And then we went out for coffee on Friday morning. We did EB Pub Mm. and coffee in Caledonia. My son works there, so we wanted to give him the opportunity to serve us coffee. Nice. 
So that was kind of fun. And then we drove out to Ada for lunch. We did a little bit of shopping. There's some just really bougie shops there. It was super fun. And we had lunch at Luna, which is my favorite, favorite, favorite Mexican restaurant. They've got a a spot down in downtown Grand Rapids, but now they have a second location in Ada, which where I'm from, you know, in Middleville there, it's a little bit easier to scoot right on over to Ada and it's a little less busy. So anyway, the conversation with my sister never stopped. So it didn't matter if we were riding in the car side by side or if we were out to eat with my husband and my son or if we were at home just chilling or if we were shopping, there was this continuous flow to the conversation. And what was so cool about it was we talked about everything. We talked about our marriages. We talked about our kids. We talked about our sweet mama. Talked about how we miss our dad and grieving his death talked about aging. We talked about future plans. We talked about our hopes and our dreams and opportunities that were in front of us. What kind of gets us excited? What scares us? Talked about matters of the heart. And I'm telling you, it was like an infusion from my soul. Mm -hmm. It was good. Yeah. It was good. We need it so much. These kinds of relationships. Yeah. I mean, to know and to be known is such a gift. And if we had been like talking on the phone and we, we went to covered half of these topics. You know what I mean? It was being with one another that really allowed for the kind of good for the soul conversation that emerged. And this is, this is the kind of places that God wants to go with us in conversation. He wants to know and be known. He wants this continuous conversation about all the things, the big things, the small things, the spiritual stuff, the not spiritual stuff, just the life stuff. He wants us to talk to him about our marriages, our kids, our dreams, what we're grieving about, what scares us, what we love, who we love, what we hope for, all the things. And when we go into prayer and then we come out of prayer, it may not be as likely to happen as if we realize the constant presence of God that with us, that he's always with us, that he's with you right now where you are. I do this Devo in the mornings on my way and it's an audio Devo and As part of it, it says kind of at the end of the devotional, it says, and now as I take this time of prayer into the coming day, and that's really what prayer is. It's not like a phone call where you pick up the phone and you have a conversation and you hang up and the connection has ended. It's more like having God with us all the time. It's this continuous conversation that doesn't ever end. There's no hang up. There's no goodbye. (laughs) He continues to go with us and the conversation keeps going, whether you're in the car or you're at home or you're at work or you're eating or you're alone or you're with friends. Always God is with us. Yeah, it's this all day conversation. And, you know, we have prayer at the top of every hour on Prairie and Shauna mornings, on Prairie and Shauna mornings. And I almost never say amen at the end of the prayer because there isn't an ending. Hmm. It's just going to, it's going to, it's the same idea. What we're praying about now, let's just go forward throughout the day in the same posture. Right, right. I mean, if you and I were talking and we're at the office and we're going to be here together till probably two o'clock this afternoon or whatever, if I left the room, I wouldn't say goodbye. And then right. we into the room and say hello. And then goodbye and hello. Because we know we're going to be in the same building for the next several hours. Yeah. Same, same. With yeah. Jesus. And First Thessalonians 5.17 says, it's actually one of the shortest verses in the Bible, two words, literally says, pray continually. I think this is exactly 
what this verse means is the conversation that we're having right now. Just this ongoing, constant conversation with the Lord. So wherever you go today, remember that you are not alone. God is with you. So let's just keep the conversation going. We have Rob West with us this morning. He's the host of Faith and Finance, formerly Money Wise. They have a new name, same guy, and same great wisdom that we've come to know from him. And And his heart is really to offer financial advice from a biblical perspective. And he's here with us this morning. All right, Rob, this one is is real life. And it's, it's a bit long, but I think that the length of it is needed to give you the context. This comes from Rhonda. She says... I have a huge student loan debt that is mostly interest. I have paid little to nothing for many years as I was a single parent with a small income and a dad who never paid child support. My interest is as high, if not higher, than the principal. I do work at a nonprofit, but since I have not been paying, I've been told I cannot take advantage of the nonprofit offer. I know the moratorium has been extended until June, and hope it continues until the powers that be realize it is not against the law to allow a student loan forgiveness. My question is, is there a way to have my interest excused, forgiven, taken off? If I only owed the principal, it would be easier to pay off. The loan was a blessing God provided while being pregnant and going through a divorce from an abusive man. But now I need help as I just cannot afford the payment. My rent is half of my income as it is. Well, first of all, Rhonda, uh, my heart breaks as I hear your story. You know, I've counseled with another enough single moms uh, and dads to know how difficult it is just to cover all of the bills. There's more month than money and you know, keeping up with all of the kids and their responsibilities, not to mention this student loan kind of hanging over your head. So I get it. And it's not going to be easy. And when 50% of your income is eaten up by rent, it just makes it really challenging to live. I mean, the target is 25%. So you're kind of double that. And I understand. I mean, rents are very high right now. And when you add food and utilities and everything else in there, there's just not anything left. And so that's really challenging. Um, Is there an an easy solution here? No, there's not. Uh, I mean, a few things. One, with regard to the payment, uh, if these are federal loans, and it sounds like they are, then you have that income repayment option, income-based repayment option that's going to allow you to kind of move that payment up and down based on the income you have available. That's going to allow you to at least keep it current. But I understand it's frustrating because the principal balance isn't coming down. Um, I would take another look at the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. Uh, They have made some changes to that program to try to get more people in it. What they found is that very few people were actually getting it uh, at the end of the day. But if you work in, uh, you know, in the nonprofit sector, you should be able to qualify for that if you can make 120 on-time payments over 10 years. So, you know, I would take another look at that because of some of the recent changes that are going on there. That would obviously be amazing if you could find a way to get, you know, 10 years of on-time payments and then all of a sudden the rest of it is gone, then you wouldn't have to focus so much on getting that balance to come down because you'd know you're working towards something. But I realize, you know, getting 
that to a place where it can fit into your budget is not going to be easy. So anyway, I would just stay the course. This is a great opportunity for the body of Christ to rally around you. So we'll be praying Mm -hmm. that God will provide and just show himself once again to be faithful as he always is. And just know that uh, we're with you and you can do this. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.